0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> can you guys hear me, okay? Yes. You sound yeah, beautiful.
1: <laughs> um so I think the biggest reason we started this podcast is because we really wanted to talk about diversity in medicine and I think that uh, a, more, more formal. <laughs> no, I was going to This is my intro. It'll make sense. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll do it a different way. <laughs> <one. laughs> Just a
2: little bit of a softer Just a intro. softer intro
1: I know. Sometimes we like try different things. Okay. okay. So we have a class called Layers of Medicine at the University of Utah. That's basically a class where we can um, see different perspectives to medicine that aren't like the quote unquote hard sciences. And last year, one of um, the guests that came is someone that really connected with me. And I remember being in the lecture hall and um, everything she said really resonated with my heart. And it was something that I cared about and something that we care about in this podcast bundle of hers. And um, so we're so excited to have you in the studio,
0: Dr. Wando. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yeah. And we also have Margo with us today. Hey, I'm also super excited to be here with Dr. Wando. Thanks, Margo. (laughs) We actually met Dr. Wando um, during that class, but we had a lunch afterwards. And um, I think the biggest thing that we all connected with was um, her passion for diversity in medicine. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Would you uh, like to introduce yourself and kind of bigger picture things that you are passionate about?
0: yeah uh well, first of all, thank you so much. It's such a great honor to be to be back here and uh, to follow the work that you all have been doing. and I think Bundle Furs is such a fantastic idea. Um, so for me, I don't even know where to begin, honestly, i <laughs> will just say so you know Dr. Wando Olay will I go by Dr. Wando? Um, I consider myself a physician, and I'm really proud of that, but I also consider myself so many other things. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a runner, I'm a gardener, and I'm also a physician that's in tech and I do a lot of public health related work. And so my career has been kind of this complex hodgepodge of different things, uh, but all of them somehow, some way, connect back to a couple of things. One is service to the underserved and people who are marginalized. Uh, another is uh, diversity and inclusion in, in medicine and healthcare more broadly. And a third one is social justice.
1: Uh, that's so perfectly said because those were all the three things that we all care about a lot. All of the bundle of hers, I think we are um, advocating for that. We're discuss, we're having discussions on that. So I think um, with that, I want to ask you my first question. It may sound like a vague question, but it's one I ask myself all the time. What does diversity in medicine mean to you?
0: Yeah, great question, and I think it's an important question. To it's good to level set because. When you're in various conversations, people have very different ideas of what that means. So to me, what it means is that we have different voices, perspectives, experiences and backgrounds kind of represented at all stages of what we do. So a really good example of what the opposite of that is, <laughs> uh, is when I was in medical school years ago uh, and when our derm- dermatology lecture, most of the things that we saw and the diagnoses that we saw never had people of color. And so I'd say, huh, so if a you know, person with the darker skin were to have this, what would that look like? And I remember our, you know, you know, attending and saying, eh, I'm not, not really sure, probably would look the same, but not sure, you know, and really re- recognizing that, wow, I mean, even to be a good doctor, I might not be able to be, I'm not equipped if I don't have diverse representation of what I might actually see in my patients. And so I think that when you, when you have the absence of a range of experienced thoughts, lived experiences, uh, then you have a lot of challenges. Focusing on kind of how do you create an environment where you have not just representation, but inclusion. And that's why you'll you'll hear me say diversity and inclusion, because mm-hmm. a lot of times and I know I know you all know this, but you can have a range of voices and experiences and ideas and perspectives, but you don't give them the space to actually declare themselves or, or speak out. And then you still don't have a good environment, a good, safe environment.
1: Um, and I think that you hit the nail on the head with that because we actually did an episode about tokenism versus inclusion and i think that the word diversity is thrown around a lot right yeah and um that's why i think i really wanted to know what your definition of it was because i think a lot of times when we use that word there's a lot of history to it and um i think the way you explained it kind of encapsulates the way that i also feel about diversity is its experiences it's bringing ideas to the table that are missing because in the end, we're going to take care of everybody.
2: I agree with Harjeet. The way you defined um, diversity is exactly what we value and embody here at Bundle of Hers and myself too, just having colleagues that have a breadth of experience that I can learn from as well. I have had several attendings that I've learned so much from just in like one little interaction that I found so powerful. Yeah. And so I think here in Utah, we don't have a lot of diverse backgrounds and experiences, but it's something that I think needs to be more valued in medicine mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Absolutely,
2: And um, one of the kind of barriers that we've been talking about in Bundle of Hers to kind of increasing inclusion in medicine is leadership and not just in medicine, but diversity and leadership across the board. Mm -hmm. And so I know that you have held several executive level positions, including being a chief transformation officer for the startup that you created called Rubicon Med or sorry, Rubicon MD. Mm -hmm. And then also you're a chief medical officer for the Community Health Center Incorporated in Mm -hmm. Connecticut. And so I wanted to ask you what kind of pathways or what advice do you have for students and our our, um, pre-medical students who are in the audience listening, how they can overcome those barriers to becoming leaders in medicine?
0: So I'll take a step back. So I kind of have always been somehow a leader. and And I think that leadership is different depending on who you are. And people have different ways of expressing leadership. So I I kind of generally believe that innately everybody has leadership in them. And it's just a matter of they may not be on stages and directors and have executive titles, but they still have a way to kind of lead. So Mm -hmm. for me, uh, I knew very early on that I was kind of meant to be a leader. So when I was an undergraduate, I started like Ohio State University is where I went. And they didn't have a single uh, group that was dedicated to pre-med or pre-health for minority students and they had a lot of other ones. And I, and I kept feeling, I was going to these meetings and kept feeling kind of lost. Like, I just don't, I remember exactly how it happened, but it was like, well, just form one. And what does it take to form a student organization at the, at the university and, and made it a pre-health society. And it was such a great way for me to see like, okay, if you don't necessarily see the path, then you can kind of just create it. Mm-hmm. And since then, you know, I've just had a number of different experiences like that. The Connecticut one, was a great opportunity. I was in that organization for a few years before I became the chief medical officer. So I was there for three years before becoming chief medical officer and five years as chief medical officer. I was the first woman to ever have that position in its forty year history. Wow. I was the first person of color and I was the youngest person that ever had it. Wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So,
1: three so yeah. so
0: when I when it was when I was you know, throwing my name in the hat, you know, for for the job, I mean I I felt like you know, they're doing this national search. There's, you know, there's, there's not really a whole lot of chance. And I remember going through the process and all the different interviews and things that I had. And, you know, at every stage it started to look like this might actually happen, right? Like they, they seem to really like what I'm seeing and, and what my vision is. And so I, what I will say about that is knowing that all those things were stacked up against me just kind of made me hungrier. Cause I was like, if there's never a woman that does this and how will any woman ever do it right mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so um I felt like you know in a way like the weight of the world was kind of on me to be able to make this make this happen and so when I got into the role I so I, I think the easier part was actually you know convincing myself that I should apply and go mm-hmm. for it and that I was kind of ready the harder part was when I got it because a lot of the people that had been there with people that had been in the organization for 20 years mm-hmm. 30 years five years who are more experienced um physicians who had had a lot more experience in other things but I had to kind of prove to them that I was the right choice and I was kind of made to me to lead them. Mm-hmm. And if you're thrown into a fire like that, you kind of just have no choice but to deliver. Yeah. Because yeah. especially when you think about all you represent. Right. Right. And yeah. You just just step up. Um, opportunities present themselves sometimes and you just got to step up.
2: The fact that there was resistance actually made you push into it more, because I think that's what we have done with Bundle of Hers is there wasn't a platform and there wasn't a way for us to share our stories. Yeah. And um, that's kind of the advice we give the up and coming uh, medical students when they ask, what's the opportunity for this and that in medical school? And it's like, well, if it isn't there,
1: you can make it. You can make it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So great. I think that's so important. Okay, I'm going to try my best to articulate this question. Um, how have you stayed authentic to yourself and the things you care about when you're leading in a system that from its inception has maybe not the same values that you feel, but you feel like you need to change, uh, not change them, but make them more inclusive yeah so how do you stay authentic to yourself and kind of not fall into the game that everyone's playing
0: yeah yeah does that's that a, question oh, make that's sense a, that's a great question and I, i'm sitting here thinking wow how how do we how do i answer this one There's a lot We have enough time for this answer i know this right? one's a
1: it's something i'm always thinking yeah. about because mm-hmm. me and my friends are always like okay we need to change things but it's like but we need to play in the system to get to the position, right.
2: and then do we change? Do like the chain. Play by the rules so you can break the rules. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, yourself.
0: You, you know, made of the kind of famous Audrey Lord quote about like you know you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. For women in particular, you know, you just bring such a different perspective to so many things. I don't think I could ever survive, and I could have ever achieved what I have if I wasn't authentic, because eventually it's kind of like telling a lie. And then you like a lie begets another lie and then it begets another lie. And before you know it, you don't remember the first lie. And then you're kind of trying to figure out how to get back to that lie. And if you were just straightforward in the beginning, you'd remember. And I, I've i had a hard time being someone that I'm not. And you got to take me as I am. And if you don't want what that means, you know, I don't know what to do. Maybe I'm not the right fit. Yeah. And that's an important place to get to get to profession. I remember earlier on, like, for example, when I first became a mom, there's a lot of pressure on me around kind of being a mother and being a mm-hmm. senior executive and company. Um, but, you know, I was a new mom and then I had, you know, I had my second child. So I had two children, they were young. And, and I remember just having a lot of conflict around that with my boss, like you can you be here. And I'm like, no, I can't, you know, like, I have babies, you know, and, and I just remember going back and forth. And then I learned a lot in that because I, I felt like a lot of what I did in that conflict was just try to act like I wasn't a mom, you know, mm. maybe I can just, you know, not, do certain things where I can just go to these things that are absolutely ridiculous for me to be able to attend and really stretching my whole family and get, I got a nanny and all this stuff to be able to show that I'm, you know, I'm, you know, a mom. And then, so when I had an opportunity to do something different career wise, I was like, I'm never going to do that again. It felt so awful trying to like bury part of who I was. And it was like, this is what I am. And I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. She talked about how mm-hmm. when she went to her interview, oh, yes, yes. she took her baby and put the baby on the table. Like, so, yeah, this is our interview. <laughs> and it was like, you know, and was like, I I need you to know that that's that's who I am. And if that right. doesn't work, then it's on me. And so really, since that experience, I've just felt like every part of me is is important. The second part of the question is really about how do you play the game that's that's being played constantly around you? So I'm going to give right. you a really interesting and funny story, which I'm okay. not fully sure I'm allowed to share, but I think I can. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is you know, from all friends. So I had the chance to be part of, uh, like, an advancement promotions committee um, and felt kind of tokenized, you know, to, to be asked to be on it. And I knew that there was, you know, reason why I was asked in particular. But, you know, I did it. And in the process, I, I started to see how challenging it is for women and faculty of color to move up mm-hmm. because of the way the process itself worked what I did a lot was play like almost like the ignorance card. Hey, you know, I just want to understand when that woman was being considered, we did not think we we thought all these things mattered and they, they impacted her ability to move forward. But when we were talking about this other person, uh, we didn't think those things were necessarily important. And some of his other work was, was important. And why, why is that? Why is that? I had to really push them to answer those questions. Yeah. To think about it. And so that's, that's a strategy that I've used a lot. Like is, which is like, help me understand your bias.
1: (laughs) I actually, I love that you say that (laughs) because I think that's a strategy that I'm uh, trying Mm -hmm. to because I'm always like, wait, what did you mean by that? Can you explain that to me? Because I think a lot of times people, they just say things, right? And sometimes it's, it's even that they didn't think about it. Right. Just that question at least makes them think about it. It's mm-hmm. not that they inherently were like on purpose ignoring it. Yeah. Sometimes they were. Yeah. But sometimes they just didn't even think, they did about, think it. about
0: it. It's true. Yeah. And
1: it's
2: non-confrontational.
1: So there's not like emotion into it. Yeah. I guess. And it puts of... it puts, I think, the uh, the thought process on the person mm-hmm. rather than on pointing you. a finger on them or yes. something. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is just build allies because you can't really do a lot by yourself. Right. Some of the allies relationships that I've built have been kind of the strange, unlikely bedfellows, right? Like I'm in these meetings, I'm in these committees and I'm like, this just seems like the right person for me to just build a relationship with and start to say, you know, I can't always be the one in the meetings that says we need more women. We need more people of color. Like I can't always be the person. It'd be great if you said it one of these days.
1: Yeah, I I love that response. And I think that when you say be authentic to yourself, that's something we really connect with because we believe that if people just learn who they are, everyone's a natural leader and they'll mm-hmm. lead for things they are passionate about. Yes,
0: yes. And they'll lead with their with their strengths. I mean, there's no value of having me if I'm not representing the experience of an immigrant person with you know, complicated social past and all the ranges of things that make me, there's no, if I don't bring that person, then you don't want the other person. I mean, like, like, who's the other person? I don't really, you know, I won't be, I won't be fun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> right. Right. Trying to
2: fit into a box Yeah, you're, or not even a box, but like building strengths that aren't innate to you. Yeah, is not, exactly. Not easy when you have great strengths within you. Yeah. And um, I have a question building off of authenticity and identity. Earlier, you told us that you go by your middle name, Dr. Wando. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have noticed that many people in medicine usually go by different names than their own. And for me recently, having gotten married and trying on my partner's last name, it didn't feel like my identity. So Mm -hmm. I chose not to take that name. So I want to ask you how you kind of navigated that decision and if it is your identity, maybe it is now, and how that sort of process came to be, or if you feel like, by using your last name, like patients maybe stumble over that or kind of can you yeah, talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that's
0: a really good, really good question. So um, so I, I wrote a book, which is basically like a biographical book that I published this past summer called Papaya Head. And in that book, I actually talk about the journey to my middle name. Um, so my first name is Jacqueline. And literally, like my parents chose that name because of Jackie Kennedy and <laughs> cool. wife, you know, or Kennedy Onassis. And the first three, there were four siblings in my family. And the first three of us all had like an English name and a Nigerian name. And then by our last brother, by then, my parents were like, we don't need to because they thought the world would be easier. And, you know, if, mm-hmm. if we had those and for my last brother, he doesn't have an English name because they were just like got wiser and, and, and more comfortable with, with that. And so I was always called my middle name at home. But my first name is the name that's on everything. In these two existences, I'd be Jacqueline in one place, like at school mostly, and then Wando at home. It's one of those things you don't realize that the power of like a name once it's stuck to you because mm-hmm. it's very, very hard to change people's mind about your name <laughs> yeah I'm like, <yeah>, <laughs> right. like, okay in third sure. grade now I'm gonna tell them like that's what I want. I don't want to be called I would and I just kept on trying and I couldn't look like, everywhere I'd go they'd be like oh yeah but it's just so much easier to call you Jacqueline yeah so much, easier, <laughs> right. so much easier so so that's that was kind of that that struggle and so finally I had to like finish medical school and leave the state to go to residency and when I was starting in a new state I was like I go You're, by one and that's Wanda. that's how I like kind of claimed it back but for my last name, and this is a struggle that a lot of women I know have, um, I know I have a lot of friends who are physicians who uh, did not take their married names mm-hmm. when they got married. And so, so in my case, my last name, my maiden name was Onya Jekwa and I was, I was heavily thinking about doing hyphenating. <laughs> like, oh, wow because I don't want to give up my, my, you know, last yeah. name I had like it's you know, there's so much attached to it. Right. And, and in Nigeria, it's a, it's a very, people identify you and where you're from based on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, there's a, I, yeah, there's a lot of identity that's attached to it. And so I didn't necessarily want to give it up at first. So my last name would have been Onia Jekwa Olaiwala. It would have been like too long. Mm-hmm. And so I finally gave that up. And I don't really, I don't really remember exactly why. I was just like, if I'm going to do it, I just got to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> so like once I got married, I did it right away and uh-huh. like changed it with everything. Because, you know, having gone through that experience of trying to get my middle name to be the name that I use, you got to do it like swift incision, you know, like just right. do it. But now what I've started to do in the last few years, as I started to put my maiden name back, like parenthetically in places. So I'm like, Wando, you know, parentheses. Ola, Ola.
2: Do you, um, well, let me ask you, this. you're doing a lot of administrative and business and leadership stuff. Do you see patients often? Well, I wouldn't say
0: often sure. anymore, but I do still do clinical work at San Francisco General Hospital in the refugee clinic.
2: Do you go by Dr. Wando to your patients or how do you introduce yourself? Yeah, and- okay.
0: <laughs> so I have no consistency. That's I true. actually will say to patients, I'm Dr. Olaiwola," Ola, and they will usually Try to say it, and some will say, "Can I call you Doctor O?" And that's you know, if that's easier for them, then I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, the name that I use in kind of more social and social media and like kind of leadership circles is Doctor Wando. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I switch went on and went off, but mm-hmm. but usually for the patients, it's Doctor Elijah, and that's and that's actually honestly not really a problem. Like a lot of my patients have very hard last names too to say. And so we're just both kind of like, okay, tell me how to say it right. And I'll tell you how to say it right. And some will say, can I call you Dr. O? And I'll say, that's totally fine. And then that's, you know, and that's pretty much the end of that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah.
2: That's mm-hmm. great. I really love that you're able to like claim and feel identity with all of the names that you go yeah, by. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: You know, when people are kids, to be honest, we don't encourage people to really stand out. No. no. All you're trying to do as a kid is fit in.
1: Right. Exactly. And, Honestly, and then, so then older
0: we're like, be yourself. Whoever you want to be, yes. you know, do that. <laughs> Unlearn everything. You know, like,
1: as a kid. But sometimes it even feels like that in medical school because yeah. we're like, pass step. Then you do this and then you do yeah. this. Especially and third year. Everything seems so like, wait, are we creating robots? Like, <laughs> everyone's one after another. Yeah. And I think it's like always remembering, no, like, you are different. And remember those things because that's what adds to you and that's what will make you be the best version of yourself you know you're not
0: like a step score right Right. you're not like a shelf score I mean you kind of are but But
2: you should not be defined by by
0: that yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. no you're you're right yeah
2: so um in terms we've just been talking a lot about learning in medical school and about diversity and inclusion and improving knowledge and and always being open-minded and critically thinking and um I know that you've done a minority health fellowship and can you kind of speak to that and how that has added to your education and navigation through this system.
0: Yeah, it is such a fantastic program. So it's called the Commonwealth Fund Mongan Fellowship in Minority Health Policy. And it is a joint venture between the Commonwealth Fund and Harvard Medical School and Harvard School of Public Health under the leadership of Dr. Joan Reed, who is the first African-American dean at Harvard Medical School. Just an incredible, incredible woman. We just had our 22nd anniversary of, wow. of fellows. So it's a one year fellowship that you can do after you've finished all your medical training designed to basically prepare and groom minority physicians for leadership. And Is so, this any field? Any field.
1: Really? Any field. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Oh my we goodness. We should talk more. Because, yes, we should. Yeah, it's a, it's a degree granting program too. So you, you finish with either an MPH if you, if you don't have an MPH. If you do have an MPH already, then you finish with an MPP you know, from day one, it's kind of drilled into you that, you know, you are in this because you are going to be a leader (laughs) and, you know, you're going to be a leader. And so people are leaders in industry and tech and pharma and academia and government and state in politics. I mean, people go into a lot of different places and all sorts of medical clinical backgrounds and people do it at different stages of their career. So I did it right after residency, but some people do it mid-career. So it just depends on kind of when people feel the inspiration for it. And so what it did for me. I already had like a vision for the way I wanted to build communities and do a lot of stuff, but it gave me a lot of tools into like, how do you actually make change? And, you know, until then, I thought change is made when you vote for president, (laughs) you vote for president and put in your senators and then then you've done it. And probably the thing that I didn't think about as much, but now has become a lifeline is that the network that is part of that. So there are five or six fellows a year. Mm And you think about that over 20 years, you know, you've got a lot of people in this network
1: yeah, that are that's in amazing. Positions of
0: leadership all over the country. What that a strong
1: been, support system that it is. is that sounds amazing. Yeah. And
2: have the community
1: too. Yeah. yeah. And, and like community. have that backing up. Cause I think it's done everywhere, right? People recommend, but having like these intentions, I think it's
0: amazing. Yeah. 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 And even advice on things like you asked earlier, like how do you play this game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how do you play the game and still get what you want, right? Right. In like, these institutions that are structurally designed to be racist and sexist. Like right. how do you yeah. actually do that? And so, People that have been through those challenges, like are people that you have kind of at your fingertips. It's Mm -hmm. it's amazing. That's
1: That's so cool to know that there's programs like that out there to help
2: support and guide people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that community building is so important. And it's one thing that I always believe is like, and I usually try to embody that is for anyone to have power and have tools. They need to be healthy. Yeah and yeah, yeah. healthy in all ways yeah mm-hmm. and that's why i think medicine can have such a great impact on these communities and i think that it's something that i hope to work for yeah and i know that you're working on this and we are just so happy that you could come talk to us you shared really great tools and things to think about that we can kind of move forward with in our career yeah. um is there any closing thoughts that you had before we end out this podcast
0: It would not be good if I left without talking to you guys about one other thing, which is a program that I started called the Minority Women Professionals, our MVPs program, and it's a national conference program. Okay. A couple years ago, I had this idea, like, I wanted to, like, create these safe spaces for women of diverse backgrounds. And we defined minority very broadly by race, ethnicity, gender, identity, and sexual orientation, religion, ability, disability, uh, and kept it really broad and said, I want to create these safe spaces for women all over the country and have them be able to just learn from each other as professionals, get tools from each other, and bring in people that have really good skills and accomplishments to kind of help people on their journey as professional women. So that was in 2017. We kind of had our very first conference in California. And since then, we've had seven. Wow. And all over the country. And they've been, you know, usually 100 to 200 women of different professions. And the thing was that one of the biggest things that I've been excited about about this is that initially it started off as like largely women in healthcare mm-hmm. just because of my network and my, my circles. Forming this has been, one of the biggest highlights of my career because I've been able to learn and have women co-learn cross-functionally and interdisciplinary way from people who are not really in their same profession. It's really amazing. Like in your adult life, and you'll see this as you are all in medicine, as you're rising up, as you were talking about earlier, you have these scripts that you follow. You do this and you take this test and you go on. And for the most part, there's not a lot of, interact with people that are not in medicine in your your next 10 years of life. Yeah, that (laughs) is true. Yeah, I mean, and even people marry people in their classes. I mean, it's very hard to create a circle outside of it. So having a network of women who are in all sorts of fields, doing all kinds of things has been just incredible. And so I would encourage you and the women that listen to your podcast to build a network that's not just in medicine. Yeah. And try to go to some of the things that are happening at the law school or at the school of the arts, like, and just expand your, your horizon a little bit because you'll realize that there's a lot more out there than you realize. And some of the, the best ideas I've gotten for how to handle things in medicine have come from people in other places.
2: That's so true. Coming back to diversity, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. breadth of experience. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, Actually, that's um, yes, true. Sure. I didn't know thought about that angle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 That,
1: that's such valuable advice. I think that we don't think about often. And thank you for like introducing the idea yeah. into this space. <laughs>
2: So Dr. Wando, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to meet with us. We are so excited to um share a space with you and with someone who values what we value and what we're talking about as well. Um and kind of give us guidance into the future as we look forward to residency applications next year, which is so exciting, yeah. so exciting. Uh, and I think our talk today only further reinforces our value at bundle of hers of diversity being coming from this breadth of ideas and experiences and different people and creating a broad network of people, not just in medicine, like you were just talking about, but like really questioning what's being told and taught to you and questioning your own values and pushing for your own identity and and really standing out. and, And like you said earlier, Making, getting mad and pushing into it when there's not that space and that representation that you want to see. So thank you so much for helping us and our listeners kind of um, blaze the path and and reinforce this vision.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for all you guys are doing. I really, really am impressed. Oh, thank you.
2: Thank you. So um, you can follow us if you have anything to add to this conversation or any questions for Dr. Wanda. You can um, follow us at Bundle of Hers on Instagram or Facebook. Dr. Wando, you have an Instagram as well?
0: Yes, it's Dr. Wando. Perfect. <laughs> Instagram thank and Twitter, you. yeah.
1: Perfect. And that's Wando with an N. Yes, with an yes. N. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Bye. I Can we get a picture? Yes. picture? yes. We put your headphones on. Yes. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll
2: put one on yes. just for the picture.